Good to see everybody. Welcome to you. 22 years, y'all. Can you believe that? That is so crazy. Uh, I am the luckiest man in the whole world. I mean, I'm so blessed to be at Woodburn Baptist Church, to be your pastor. This was a great church 22 years ago. It's been a great church for 150 years. Uh, so let's don't mess it up now, y'all. Let's try, to, uh, let's try to continue to be faithful together and faithful to the Lord. I, I do love you with my whole heart. Jason Dunbar, man, I love you. You're awesome. Man, we don't get enough of you. So good. Doesn't he just crack you up? Like, he's so quiet. You just talk to him. He's just so quiet. And then he gets up here. He's like, whoa, just wailing. But man, you can't, you can't kick him in the shins and make him holler like that in real life. So that's awesome. You guys bought a house? Going to be moving to Greystone, right? When you're moving, when's moving day? Two weeks, I think. Two weeks. Yeah, do you know what day you're going to move? Because probably I'm busy. <laughs> no, no way. I, w- I will help you move. Yeah, we'll all help you move, man. It's taking y'all nearly a year to find a house in Warren County, and that's just crazy that the housing market is like that. But, uh, man, you guys are going to live real, real close to church. It's going to be so good. Uh, so welcome, uh, welcome finally to, uh, to homeownership in Warren County. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Let, let's, let's jump right in. We are uh, finishing up the sermon series today entitled The Greatest Sermon Ever. Greatest Sermon Ever. It's the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, and today we get to the ending of it. Uh, you all know, I don't have to tell y'all, the best part of any sermon whatsoever is the ending. It's the ending. I, I, don't look at me, y'all. I, I know. I know. I've listened to sermons. I was the second preacher at a funeral on Friday. God bless the family. Uh, it was a horrible loss. Um, but you know how it is when you're at a funeral? And I was sitting in a back room, so they really didn't know there were two preachers. Like, people didn't know there were two preachers. So the first preacher stepped up. Y'all, he was great. He preached that funeral so well. He did a good job. But then I stepped up, and you, I could tell by the people's faces, they didn't know I was coming. And you could just watch people just going like, because you know, like they just sat through, and then I got sent through another sermon. Y'all, there were already ladies with their purses on their arms when I came up, and they're just like taking their purse off their arm. And, looking at me. I know the, the best part of any sermon is usually the ending, but that's not just kind of in a, in, in a lazy listener kind of way. Ask any speech uh, professional, ask any uh, preacher, ask anybody. The most important part of any public speaking is, is the ending. The way you finish typically determines the way the, the, the sermon itself is remembered. It also remembers, it, it affects the way people leave. And, and so Jesus finishes this sermon, the greatest sermon ever, which I consider the greatest conclusion ever. It's absolutely fantastic. Because, you know, it's like flying a plane. Uh, it all depends on how you land that thing. No matter what else you do up there, if you can't put the thing back on the ground, it's a disaster. And sermons can be like that. Have you ever listened to this sermon that, that just sort of, the preacher's like flying up here, and then all of a sudden, like, it, it, just, it just hits the ground. Boom, he's done. It's like head bowed, eyes closed, he's done. You ever been there? It's just like, what? I mean, he just ends it, like, over, which, is, which isn't so bad, really. What's bad is the preacher who's, like, flying the sermon up here, and, like, he never lands it. You, you been to that one? It's like... It's like he starts descending and he lowers the landing gear and you're approaching the runway and you think, okay, you put your purse on your arm, you know, you think it's over and then vroom, man, he just takes off again. You circle the runway over and you're just, you can put this thing down, land this thing, land it. Uh, you get a little airsick, but eventually it lands. All sermons eventually end. And this sermon, I promise you will eventually end. Jesus' sermon is amazing in the way he concludes. It's amazing. People at the end are sitting there slack-jawed. Never heard anything like it. 
This is the greatest sermon ever, Jesus' sermon, and this is his conclusion. Uh, this is important, you all. Listen. Uh, let's start in Matthew chapter 7, of course. Let's start with verse 13. Three points in a parable kind of thing. This is Jesus' conclusion. Matthew seven thirteen. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. School starts this week. Who's excited? I said school starts this week. Who's excited? Taylor's excited. Claire's excited. Yeah. Who else is excited? Y'all, Becky's excited. Yeah. Moms and dads excited. Yeah. What are you so excited about? What, what are you ready for? What's exciting? What is it? What do you love about school? You just like education. Just like learning. Way to go, girl. Way to go. Just education. Just learning. That's good. Somebody else? What do you love? What do you love, Nate? Lunch? You're my man. Yeah. What's the best thing at school for lunch? What? Barbecue sliders? Y'all have barbecue sliders for lunch? What happened to like fish sandwiches? Like those square drag? Y'all remember fish sandwich sliders? Man, you stick in school, man. That's going to be good for you. Yeah. What's, what do you like about school? You like the schedules. You got to do this first and somebody telling you what to do all day long. And you like that. Wow. What a good girl. That's a good girl. Yeah. What do you like about school, Clara? Say it again. You have fun learning? Learning's fun? 
I think so too. That's awesome. Somebody else? What do you love, Eli? Recess. Recess. Yeah, recess. Taylor, what do you like? You like meet your new teacher? Do you know who your teacher's going to be this week? You already know? You've already started. Are you Logan County? Yeah, y'all been in school like forever already. Yeah. Who's your teacher? Miss Ferris, is she awesome? Yeah, good. I hope you have a good year with Miss Ferris. Braden, tell us all about it. What's good about school? Recess, lunch, and friends, and Gaga Ball? Yeah, it's just really fun Gaga Ball. What is it? Yeah? Kind of like dodgeball? Yeah. Gaga ball, y'all. Did y'all know about that? See, learning is fun, you all. We're learning stuff, right? Right here? Yeah. One more. What are you excited about? What about it, Ryan? What are you excited about, man? Science. You love science? Yeah. What's your favorite part about science? What do you like? Yeah, plants and animals, man. I love science, too. Science is my favorite. I love science. Everything that God made is amazing, and it's so fun to learn about. That's cool. I noticed nobody said what nobody says, and that is math, math. Is math anybody's favorite? Really? Seriously? Sam, you like math? Yeah, you're Warren Weeks' grandson, aren't you? Yeah. It's all about math, y'all. What, what do you like about math? I'm not down on math, y'all. I did okay in math. It's just math only has one correct answer every time. It's like equals blank, and it's like one. There's only one correct answer, and there are an infinite number of, of, of false numbers. You know that? Like one way to get it right, a million trillion ways to get it wrong. Any other subject, like, you know, they have like essay questions. If y'all haven't noticed, if you let me talk, even if I don't know what I'm talking about, eventually I'll say something that'll get me some points. So like essay, man, give me one of those subjects where you just get to talk or write like an essay. Because if I can write you an essay, I'll eventually say something. Let me talk long enough, I'll say something smart, you know. But math is never like that. It's like at the end, it equals you know, a number. And it's got to be that number. It's got to be precise. Uh, approximate numbers are wrong answers. It's always that way. You can't just say, ah, oh, you know, let me ballpark this. You don't get to ballpark it in math. You know, if I ask you how many kids you got, you can't ballpark it. You can't say, I don't five-ish, you know, 10 or less. You know, no, no, no. The answer is three, four. You know, it's, there's an answer and any other answer is just wrong. There's one answer. Approximate answers are wrong answers in math. I love approximate math though. However, this is what serves me in my life. Approximate math. For example, in relationship with my wife, who's typically the business manager in our home, I may say, Casey, I'd like to buy a speaker. <laughs> but Casey knows if I say, I'm thinking about buying a speaker, I probably bought it. It's probably in the car, you know, <laughs> but, but I say, I'm going to buy a speaker. And she'll say, how much, how much? And I'll say $60, about $60. And I'll say about $60 because I'm giving her 
an approximate number. Now, Casey knows, however, that when I approximate, I round down. So if it's 60, it's probably actually 69.99, which in Casey's world is $70. Yeah, see, this is how it works at our house. So, so I, I give an approximate number because that helps me. I tend to round down, which sometimes helps me get permission just a little bit faster. I, I approximate numbers. You, you understand? I bring this up because some of you right now, you're sort of counting on some sort of approximate deal with God. This is what you're counting on, an approximate deal with God, so that one day when you stand before the Lord, he's going to round down all of his expectations. In other words, all this stuff that he said, you're hoping to find out he wasn't that serious. He's going to round down his expectations and meanwhile, round up your accomplishments, Round up there. So it sort of approximates. He rounds down what he was expecting, rounds up what you're delivering, and therefore, hopefully, you'll have enough heaven points to get in. This is not how it works. Jesus himself points out very clearly, this is not how any of that works. Following Jesus is the only way to God. Following Jesus is the only way to God. Look at me again at verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way to God. Now, people don't want to think about this. People don't want to acknowledge this. Some of you in this house, this Although you call yourselves Christian and you're very familiar with the Christian message, you're still hoping that, honestly, it's not this. You're really wanting to think that your way is going to somehow turn out to be a way to get into heaven. There, there aren't multiple ways. Understand, there may be a trillion ways to get this wrong, but there's only one way to get this right. His name is Jesus. Following Jesus is the only way to God. So Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gates. What's a narrow gate? You ever gone into a stadium, a big crowd sort of thing, or the airport, and they make you pass through like a turnstile? They make everything get very narrow. Why do they do that? Because you're going to come in one at a time. That's part of it. They funnel everything down so that you have to squeeze, and everybody comes in one at a time. They put you through a narrow passage, that little turnstile, so you can't bring in a whole lot of junk. You know, you would want to come in with your backpack and your cooler, and you probably, you know, have your boat and your trailer and all that behind you. But no, when it comes down to that gate, the only thing coming through is you. So Jesus is actually saying that the, the gate to God's kingdom is actually very narrow. Now, on the other hand, the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Notice anybody that goes to hell, they choose that way. Not, none of this, you know, I don't, Pastor Tim, I don't understand why loving God would send people to hell. He doesn't. They choose that way. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. So the highway to hell is, is not narrow. It's described as like this super highway, y'all. We're like a 12-lane highway with your giant medians. And I mean, it's just enormous. And, and the on-ramp is wide, which means you can do most anything you want to do, and you can land on that highway. You don't have to sort of follow any specific directions. You just sort of head that way, and that's the way you'll go. 
It's a highway. It's like that German with an autobahn, you know. It's just straight and long and wide, and there are no speed limits. And that's the way Jesus describes a highway to hell, because it's got a lot of traffic. I mean, I mean, that's the difficult thing for most of us to grasp, but it's what Jesus says. The gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Do you understand? There'll be far more people going to hell than going to heaven. There'll be far more people going to hell than going to heaven. You know, I don't know about y'all, we can talk about this later, but in my life, I don't ever meet anybody who thinks they're going to hell. I mean, never. I don't ever run into anybody who thinks, everybody I talk to, they think they're going to heaven. They just assume that somehow at the end of this thing, they're going to get there and get in. They just assume that they're going to heaven. And Jesus, Jesus, there, there are actually few who ever get there. And it's not that God doesn't want the whole world to come. He does. But the point is, man, that's just not the way most people choose. It's a choice. You make a choice, and it has to do with the road that you walk. And Jesus says very, very few people ever find the way. It's not hard to find, y'all. It's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. You just, you got to follow Jesus. He's the way. You follow Jesus. It's not any harder than that. Keep going. Beware of false prophets, he says in verse 15. Beware of false prophets. In other words, Jesus is now saying, this is really, really not that confusing, uh, but it's going to get confusing because people will confuse you. It gets confusing, but don't get confused. Remember, Jesus is the way. It's not complicated. It's Jesus. The gospel is very, very simple. The way to heaven is very simple. It's Jesus. It's not about you trying to do good deeds. It's not about you trying to earn your way. It's not about getting Sunday school points. Just Jesus. It's not about what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you. When you stand before God, you just hide yourself behind the cross, and, and by the blood and mercy of Jesus, you will have access to heaven. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus, but, but people confuse that, and, and they make something very simple, very confusing, because they actually preach other gospels. They, they're not really preaching Jesus at all, but you wouldn't know that at first, because sometimes you think they are preaching Jesus. They just added a lot to Jesus, and they end up with something that's not Jesus at all. Stay home and watch, you know, preachers on television nearly any, any time, and I know there are a lot of good ones on television. There are also some real just turkeys and you got to know the difference. Uh, understand, it gets confusing, but don't you get confused. It gets confusing, but you just got to listen and figure out what they're preaching. And you got to find out if they're preaching Jesus. About half of them aren't. They add stuff. If they preach Jesus, but in the end, you're the one that ends up rich and, and, and healthy and wealthy and all of that, it's not Jesus anymore because Jesus never preaches that. So plan of salvation is not a, a get-rich-quick scheme. And it's not a plan that somehow lets you avoid ever getting sick. I mean, if preachers who are telling you that stuff understand, they're confusing you, but that's not Jesus. The path of following Jesus doesn't just make you healthy and wealthy. That's not how any of this works. But man, they'll, they'll, they'll preach it to you and people go for that because who doesn't want a gospel where you end up rich? If you notice, it's really only the preacher ending up rich, but nobody seems to catch on to that. Man, how... Mormon missionaries show up at my house one day. I'm a Baptist preacher. Come on in. Come on in. Y'all, these are kids. 
And, and I've done a lot of youth work in, in, in my ministry. I mean, I, I love teenagers. I love kids. And these are kids. Uh, Mormon young people tend to give up the two years after high school, which means before they do anything else in their life, before they go to college, they take two years between high school and college, and they go on mission. You know, they are not preaching the gospel. This, this is not the gospel. And yet they're very, very committed to their false doctrine. We don't need their doctrine, but we really do need that kind of commitment. You know, can you even imagine some of us wanting our kids to take two years out of high school, you know, b- before college and serving the Lord? I mean, we wouldn't even probably do that, but they do. So admire that, respect that. So these are kids who had one weekend's training, you train them on one weekend and just send them out on missions. So these are kids at my door. So again, yeah, come on in. And, and they, they asked if they could meet with me five times. I'm like, bring, bring, yeah. I mean, they want to come see me. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk. They gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon on day two. I read, I read the Book of Mormon, y'all. Whole chunks of it are the whole book of Isaiah. I mean, out of the Old Testament, I copy and paste it in, and I pointed that out, and they said, really? You know, really? I said, yeah, we got that in common, Book of Isaiah. And they're like, whoa. And, you know, come back on lesson number three. They talked for an hour, and yeah, it came down to lesson number five, you guys. And this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? So they got their, his name right there, but... And they laid it out, y'all. They had pictures, and they laid them out across my living room floor, the whole Mormon plan of salvation. I mean, they shared it with everything they had been trained to share it with, you know. And They, they laid out the whole plan of salvation, looked at me, because that's the moment when I'm supposed to decide to become a Mormon. I said, guys, You call yourself the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but you just showed me your entire plan of salvation, and you never said his name. They never said his name. Their plan of salvation doesn't depend at all upon Jesus. So so understand, in, in this confusing, confusing world, I mean, you hear stuff on BuzzFeed, and you watch people on Oprah, and you think, man, that sounds good. I think that sounds good. But, but listen, you have to not get confused. And, and the very, very simple thing is just to ask yourself, what are they saying about Jesus? Remember, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the gate. No one comes to the Father except through him. You can cut right through all of the confusion by just simply asking, what do they say about Jesus? Jehovah's Witnesses, God bless them. They knock on our doors every Saturday morning in Woodburn. I mean, the Jehovah's Witnesses are out there. Are they, are they Christians? Are they like us? Actually, what do they say about Jesus? And what do they say, y'all? He's not the Son of God. They, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, we're done. We're done. That's all I need to know. What do they say about Jesus? Is it truth or is it not truth? And Jesus himself is the truth. Find out what they say about Jesus. Ask what they say about Jesus. It gets confusing, y'all, but only if you forget to listen for Jesus. But honestly, some of us get confused all by ourselves. We don't even, we don't need a Jehovah's Witness to do that, man. We can sit at home by ourselves and get completely confused. And this is where Jesus goes next. Verse 21. This is devastating. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually say the word do. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. 
Wow. We can deceive ourselves. And that's what Jesus points out there. And there are people confused about this. It's not religion, it's relationship. It's, it's not religion, it's relationship. And, and this points out that on that final day, y'all, there are going to be a lot of religious people who just always thought they were in. They assumed that they were in because they were religious, because they did religious stuff, because they went to church. We're talking about people like, like us. These are church people now who are completely confused, completely deceived about what it means to get into the kingdom of heaven. They've always thought it had to do with them. They've always thought it had to do with good, with doing stuff. So they come before me and say, Lord, Lord, we preached in your name. We, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Lord, 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 we were in church every single Sunday. And some Sundays were long and the preacher never could land the thing. And they didn't sing any songs I knew. And I assumed I was getting heaven points for that. And it's in church every Sunday. I taught Sunday school for years, Lord. And I don't even like kids. I, I was in there for years, Lord. And I've recycled. I take the orange bin out every single Wednesday morning early, Lord, early. I recycle early. And I volunteer at the animal shelter and on and on and on we go, Lord. Lord, look at all I've done for you. And yet the Lord looks back and says, excuse me, do I know you? It's relationship. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done for you. I know this is bad news for some of you because this actually was your plan. You were going to live your whole life, do whatever you wanted to do. You were going to live like hell and then hope in the end that you would smile and one of your smiles and and remind Jesus how good you've been. And then somehow he would let you come on in. It does not work that way. Don't be deceived. People will cry out to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, Lord, Lord. Here's the bottom line. You can't call him Lord without surrendering to his command over your life. What's the word Lord mean? It means Lord, to Lord over. To call someone Lord means that you're surrendering to their authority to command you. They're the Lord, you're the master. Do you understand? He's the Lord, he's the king, he's in charge. He gives the orders, you follow the orders. Understand, it's, it's really not complicated. So who in the world calls him Lord, but then never does what he says? This is an incredible contradiction of a lot of our lives. We say that we belong to Jesus, but we do not walk like Jesus walked. We do not follow his instructions. We do not follow his teachings. And that's why Jesus says, you really need to pay attention to this thing. Because I don't know you. And in the end, it's not going to matter what you did religiously. What's going to matter is whether or not you had a relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you call upon his name? Do you hear his voice? Do you follow his, his, his guidance? I mean, do you have a relationship with Jesus every day? Because just coming in here on Sunday at church, I mean, I'm glad you're here. I love you. But, but then on one of those days, I promise you, the fact that you knew me is not going to help you up there. The fact that you occasionally dragged your sorrow behind the church, it's not going to count for anything up there. The only thing that matters is, did you know Jesus? Did you surrender to him? Did you actually do what he says do? Again, it's not about doing what he says do to earn your way. You're not going to earn your way. You're not going to make yourself a better person. You don't have that in you. I promise you, we all have given up on you becoming a better person. We're just not even looking for that anymore. And neither is Jesus. He knows you don't have that in you. 
If you could have done it by yourself, you'd have done this a long time ago. It's not about working and, and doing to earn his favor, but, but, but the point is once Jesus saves you and he begins to transform your life, once you uh, begin to know him and love him and you begin to live to please him, once you surrender to him, you, you change the road you're walking. You go from that broad path that leads to destruction that the whole world is going down and you have to suddenly step off that and, and you begin a whole different way of life. You're not earning something. It's just this is what it means to be a Christian. You're going to be different now. You're going to start following him and listening to him. And if you're not following and listening to him, then you really need to start asking yourself what makes you think you belong to him. It comes down to Obedience. Obedience isn't the way that you earn your salvation, but obedience is what happens once you're saved. You begin to live a life that pleases him, that, that follows him. So, so Jesus gets to the end of the sermon and he, and he finishes with a little story. People love little stories at the end of sermons, don't they? I mean, you know, if you can like kill a dog at the end and get everybody crying, everybody's like, oh, that was such a good sermon. I love that story. Yeah. Here's Jesus' story. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't follow it. Okay, let's stop right there. Y'all know that's most of us right there, right? I mean, you all hear what we're saying, but let's be honest. Unless something changes here today, you're, you're not going to do this stuff. I mean, you've proven that you can come to church like Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for years, and you don't change. So I understand, if you're not changing, you're not doing this. So, so this part is you. Anyone who hears my teaching but doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The last word of Jesus' sermon is crash. And he's talking about your life. Crash. What's he talking about? What does he mean? There's two men in the story. Two men. One is the one who listens and then does. He listens and obeys, and Jesus says he's wise. And the other one is, listens but doesn't really do anything. And Jesus says he's foolish. Now, again, we're wrapping up a sermon here, so understand Jesus is going for the point of decision. And honestly, very, very truly, he's asking people to make a firm decision. But, but it's not so much asking. It's not like, okay, and every head bowed, every eye closed, and come down the aisle, you know, yes, I see that hand. That's not the way Jesus did it. The decision wasn't like optional, whether or not you would make a decision today. You know, Jesus is revealing the fact that they would. You, you get to choose, but you don't get to choose whether or not you're going to choose because you're going to choose. Either you will listen and do what he says, or you will have heard it and not do. But, but again, you, you're going to make a decision, and Jesus just wants you to look, look down the road and understand the consequences of the choice that you're going to make. It's not that you're not going to decide. You're going to decide. Jesus just wants you to understand something, that, that the decision that you make when you hear his teaching 
You may not necessarily feel the consequences of it, but one day you will. And the day that comes is the day the storm comes. There are two men. They hear the same message. They hear the same teaching. And they both have the same desire. They both want to build a house. The first guy is wise. So he hears Jesus' teaching and he obeys what Jesus says. So understand, that foundation that he builds on, that solid rock, it's Jesus' teaching. But not just hearing it, it's obedience. The, the solid rock foundation is obedience. He builds his life on obeying everything that Jesus says. That's the wisdom of it. So he builds his house on solid rock. And then what happens? Storm comes. The storm comes. Now, the second guy, he's the fool. He heard the same teaching, but he didn't listen. It didn't change anything about him. So he builds a house, but he builds it on sand. Y'all know I love the beach, right? Man, I love the beach. I'll do anything just to stay out there. So I, I'm a pretty amazing sandcastle, but not bragging, but y'all, I'm awesome with sandcastles. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, you guys. I mean, I, 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 am, I, I, can, I can make in sand. What, I mean, you, you would want to move your family in it. I mean, I can build that sandcastle. Y'all out there with these little redneck solo cups and like trash, you know. I mean, I bring a bag of tools with my sandcastle building. I have a, I have a bag of sand tools. I got spatulas and blades. On, I'm like Edward Scissorhands. I mean, I, I can build a sandcastle to just make you come to Jesus. I mean, I can do it, man. And so... First time out with my son, you know, my son's going, I'm, I'm teaching, you know, my son, my craft. And so we build this sandcastle. I mean, you know, I mean, people just walk by weeping. I mean, I built that sandcastle. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And when it's over, you know, like people are taking pictures, you know, you know, I mean, it's just that kind of thing, y'all. Uh, when it's over, my son's like, dad, this is awesome. I'm like, son, I, I know. I mean, it is awesome sandcastle building. But that first summer when I built sandcastles with Wade, that first big sandcastle he was so proud of, like he's looking at the window of our, of our condo, like looking at our sandcastles just out there, you know, just shining, it's beautiful. But y'all, the next morning we go out, what did Wade find? It's devastating. What did he find? It's gone. It's gone. Just gone. He's like, Dad, it's gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how sandcastles work, son. I mean, you build them and Jesus says that when you don't obey him, like you just listen and you know, but you don't do it. It's like you're building your whole life like that. It's sand. Now, you may put a lot into it. I mean, you may be awesome at this sand life building. And, and I mean, you may think you got it made, man. You, you, you got everything you want. And man, you got, you got a wife, or you got your husband, you got your kids, and you got them all spit shine ready for school. And you got a car. And man, you, you think you got it all. I mean, you got a flat screen television, and you watching, you know, Fixer Upper like 24 hours a day. And I mean, you think you're hot snot, man. You think you got it all together. But this is what Jesus says the storm comes. It maybe hasn't come yet, but it comes. And one of these days, the rains are going to fall, and the floodwaters are going to rise, and the wind is going to blow, and your house is going to collapse. It's obedience. It's, it's what makes the difference. It's obedience. I mean, just think this through with me, you guys. Just understand how this works. Everybody, just think this through. Um, let's, just your money. Think about your money. What if you had, let's say, for the last five years, 
just followed exactly what the Bible says about money. And you may not know everything the Bible says about money, but you probably know enough. You know, you, you save, you, you, you spend carefully, a good steward of what God gives you. You give generously. I mean, what if you had just followed exactly what the Bible says about money for the last five years? How different would your finances be right now? You get that? You understand what I'm saying? Bible is full of wisdom, knowledge, instruction, commandments on how we love people. What if you, for the last five years, five years, had just loved exactly like the Bible says? What if you always had the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, goodness? What if you were able and willing to forgive the way the Bible says you forgive everybody who wrongs you? What if you loved your enemies? What if you were able to love your family the way Jesus loves? I mean, that's what the Bible says. What if you had loved the way the Bible says love for just the last five years? How different would your relation, how different would your marriage be right now? How, how would your kids be turning out differently if you had just been doing all along what you know to do? I mean, if you had, every time the choice comes up, you had chosen to follow the Lord and not do your own thing. Because don't you understand where your own thing ends you up every single time? The winds blow, the rains fall, the floods come up, and it all comes crashing down on you. Jesus says, those who hear my words, and, and they do, they actually do, they're, they're wise. And it's like people who, who build everything on something solid so that when everything else starts to shake, they don't get shaken. When everything else starts falling down, they stand on their feet. As pastor, I, I, I spend a lot of my time dealing with people whose, whose life comes crashing down. And the thing is, very, very often, when people's lives comes crashing down, these are some of the same people who haven't been to church in 20 years, or, or if they've come to church, you know, it hadn't changed them. I mean, they just, they're not serious about any of that. They don't listen to God's voice ordinarily. They're not listening and trying to find what God wants for them. They're just not God people, even though they may say they're religious. And then everything crashes down. The diagnosis comes or the death comes or the, the divorce comes. And all of a sudden, man, they're, they're up you know, in my office saying, where is God? Why did God let this happen? I don't understand. I'm, I'm praying and God doesn't seem to be answering me. Why did God do this? Why is God doing this? Why is God not here for me? And, man, of, of course he is. Of course he's there. But it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to learn to hear his voice in, in those moments when, when your life is crashing in. If you haven't been listening all along, I'm not saying he's not there for you. I'm saying it's just very, very difficult to find him when your whole life is blown to smithereens. It's hard to find him in the ruins then. He's there. But the point is he's been there the whole time. And you're not supposed to wait until your whole life crashes in around. You're not supposed to wait till there's nothing left of, of the little flimsy sand castle life you've built. You're not supposed to wait till it all falls in because he's been speaking the whole time. He's been reaching out to you the whole time. He's been loving you the whole time. So Jesus wraps up his sermon, I mean, and, and this is how he does it. He basically wraps it up with that one final point. You've got to build your life on hearing and doing everything he says. I mean, what he says about everything, not just when he says something that you sort of already like or you've already been thinking about doing, not when he just asks you to do something easy. 
You listen and you do whatever he says about anything. So that means if you have to move out, if the, the person you've been living with is not your spouse, if you've got to move out, then you just do that because Jesus says do that. You have to change your friends, have to change your habits, you have to give up some things. It's a narrow gate, and you may have to lay some things down to squeeze yourself through it. It's worth it. Lay it down. You have to do whatever he says about everything. This is what lordship is. This is how it works. So Jesus preaches a sermon, three points, a parable, and the last word, crash. And he's talking about your life. People sat there slack-jawed for a minute. I mean, the response was amazement. You never heard any kind of sermon like that. And they recognized authority. It's like he wrote the book. It's like when he talks about life, it's as if he's the author of life. He has authority means he has the privilege, the position to command your life. And every single person that day and every single person today makes a decision. You may not come to the altar. You may not consciously decide anything, but, but make no mistake, you're deciding. Even right now, you're deciding. You, you will either listen to what Jesus says and walk in that way, or you will have heard what Jesus says and you will go another way. But there is no other way if your intention is to eventually be in God's presence for eternity. There is a way that seems right to us, but the end of it leads to destruction. So you're about to make a decision. You will decide. I just encourage you as you make your choice to remember the storm's going to come. No matter what you decide, the storm will come. Either your life will stand in Christ or your life is about to crash. Crash. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, it's your message, it's your words, it is you who has the authority to speak into our lives, Lord, it's you who can talk about the way everything's going to turn out for us because you're already there. You see our lives from beginning to end. You see into our hearts right now, Lord, and even you, you know right now which way we're leaning some of us, Lord, have heard this message, but we have no intention of changing, no intention of changing the road we're walking, no matter what anybody says, no matter what any preacher says, no matter how many warnings we receive, Lord, we're just going to continue to build this little sandcastle of a life and hope for the best on the highway to hell. Help us to see, Lord, that there's only one place that path will lead and only one way everything can turn out, the crash. Lord Jesus, instead, make us wise today. Help us to have a soft heart for your word, 
a soft heart for your voice, Lord, so that as you speak to us, we will begin to surrender to your voice so that whatever you ask us to do, whatever it costs us, whatever decision we must make, whoever we have to push out of our lives, whoever we have to bring into our lives, whatever we have to lay down, whatever we have to pick up, Lord, whatever you ask we will do, it's obedience. And it is the only thing worthy of building our lives upon. Help us to hear today, Lord, and obey and follow you in everything you ask us to do and say. Lord Jesus, we long to be Christians. We long to see you. We long to find a home in heaven, Lord. So teach us that the only way to see you in the end is to walk with you in this life starting today. Oh, Jesus, be our Savior. Be our Lord and teach us to follow your command. We pray these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen.